Bear Podcast. My name is Sean and joining me as he always does is the one and only Dante Boffer. Mr. Boffer, man, how are we? I'm good, Sean. I'm good. I've, um, I've had a bit of a, what I like to call a bit of a beach tease this morning. A beach tease? What happens in yeah. a beach tease? It's, it's where you go to the beach and then you get to the beach and the shark alarm is going off and there's a rescue helicopter flying above the beach and there's a white shark uh, about 20 meters offshore so you can't go in the water. Ah. A beach tease. Oh, no, man. What did you do? Did you go to the swimming pool instead? We stayed, <clears throat> we stayed on, the, on the beach, sunscreened up, did a bit of reading, a bit of chatting. Oh. And then when the helicopter was looking the other way, we ran down into like the shallows and just did like a 30-second splash. Um, wet the body, came back out, and then, you know, like rinse and repeat. That's horrible, not very, man. Not very fulfilling. <laughs> so when the uh, I thought you were going to say when the helicopter was looking the other way, we ran in. Sean, I've got one arm, but look, the podcast comes first. You know, like we have well, to do I, what you have I, to do. I do have a pretty strong interest in sharks in general. Why, man? Do yeah, you want to go so one of those like the cages. Yeah, do we should do it together? Yeah. I like the, I don't get it because I, 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 well, this is opening up a bit to our listeners, but I've never been on a roller coaster. I've got a bit of a phobia for roller coasters, but I will happily jump in a shark cage because I think they're awesome. Yeah, they are. And, you know, like roller coaster, you could fly off and die. No, no sharks <laughs> getting into that cage. That is a shark tight cage. I've seen Shark Tale. Um, all right, well, that's enough. That's enough foreplay, Dante. Should we get into uh, what is going to be one half of the greatest podcast of this year? I think this is our, we did it last year, the over-unders predictions. I think this is the best podcast we do, Dante. Yeah, well, I mean, was it two episodes ago that we declared it one of the best in <laughs> um, Deep 2 history and now we're ready to just one-up it again? Uh, it's going to be good. I, I, I think we should... I think we should should get into it over unders it's a, always a, a a fun pod because it signals that we're just around the corner from mm-hmm. basketball coming back which in this instance as i'm sure all of our listeners are feeling as well it feels kind of whack because you're like i'm still processing everything that's happened and now you're telling me that training camp is in full swing but mm. i agree let's uh let's hit it all right, well, just before we get into it, uh, obviously this season is going to have 72 games in total, and that's if the season goes all the way over. Um, so we have taken the over-under predictions from Caesars, which is a American whatever betting agency. And so we've got their 72 number, and thanks to the Deep 2's honorary number cruncher, soon-to-be Deep 2 cap expert and uh, host of What the Fuck is Spencer Dinwiddie doing this week, Sean Conlon, he has kindly uh, volunteered his mathematical skills to extrapolate that 72 number out to 82 games. So, for example, we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks first, and Caesars has set their number at 36 and a half. But if that were a regular 82 game season, that would be 41 and a half. So, Dante, let's uh, let's get into it with the Atlanta Hawks. So they added this offseason. They added Bogdan Bogdanovich. Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Onyeka Okonwu with the sixth pick, and Nate McMillan as an ass coach. And they <laughs> lost They lost Vince Carter to retirement, Jeff Teague, Trevion Graham, Dwayne Dedman, and Damian Jones. Big loss there at the end. Um, and their number is set at, like I said, 36.5 or 41.5. And just before I ask you your thoughts, Dante, this 41.5 number would have put them a seventh in this past season's Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much saying that they're going to be 
500. Mm. And I believe that this team will be 500. I think what's going to happen is what with the Eastern general this year is there's going to be a stratification of two distinct classes. There will be the good teams, which for the most part will take up the eight player spots and there'll be the bad teams rather than there being like six good teams and then like two teams that's like kind of sad that they're in the playoff picture and then some bad teams. I think the strengthening of the East is going to be such that there will be like two distinct classes and I think the Hawks are going to sneak into into that first class of being a good team probably the worst of the good teams but I'm I'm pretty comfortable smashing the over on this one wow so our first point of contention I'm going with the under um, and not because I don't believe that they can be part of that upper echelon. I just think that, holy shit, this team is going to be horrible on defense. And as John Holger wrote in his preview for the Atlanta Hawks uh, for the Athletic the other day, he described Trey Young as a torturable pick-and-roll maestro who ensures both teams score 100 points at least. And he's right, because the head of this team is bad on defense. Clint Compella is great, but you don't look at him as a Rudy Gobert, like a, a defense all unto himself. They added Danilo Gallinari, who was one of the worst defenders for his position, especially when he's going to be asked to guard the big forwards in the league. And like they were 27th in defense this year, uh, sorry, last year. Are they going to get better on defense by adding Rajon Rondo, who doesn't really care about the regular season, Bogdan Bogdanovic, who he's not known for his defensive acumen? Are they going to get better by adding those guys? Probably not on defense. And I don't know if their offense is going to be that good enough to go over 41 and a half. Um, I could see them just like scraping over, just scraping under, but I'm going to play it safe and go under because you look at the Washington Wizards last year and through the start of the year, they had what like it was the number third, number three offense in the league, and then dead last or second last in defense, and they weren't a forty-one win team. Can I counterpoint? Of course, Dante. I think yes, Bogdanovich, Gallo uh, are probably going to be big minute players at the the wing and and four spots respectively. Uh, Rondo, I think is is whatever. Like Rondo's going to play. 15 minutes a game max so I'm not worried about that they brought in Chris Dunn who is among you know like guard defenders what like in the top three like the top three just like pure stoppers if Okongwu is half decent at D and we know Capella is very good um, as you know like the anchor that's most of your big minutes you'll have a, a dependable five and I think what's going to happen is pretty soon they're going to figure out that you can't have Gallo and Bogdanovich and Trey Young on the floor together at the, at, in crunch time. And one of Hunter or Reddish, who profile as plus defenders at some point, whether that's <laughs> certainly wasn't last year, but you know whether that's now or through the season they get better or whatever, I think one of those guys is going to force themselves into that fourth quarter lineup. And then you'll have at least... 2.5 good defenders. And I'm not saying that that's going to equate to anything, you know, um, approaching league average. But if you told me that they had the eighth best offense and the 21st best defense, 
that's still that's still the seven or eight seed in the East, you yeah. know. So I, I think that they're going to be really good offensively because they, with this much talent um, and shooting and athleticism, you just can't you can't not be. And on D, I think they'll be able to kind of cobble together just enough and be just good enough that the offense will be able to like kind of drag them them in. It's still kind of reeks of like a hundred and. 18 to 116 win, you know, wins. But the, the flip side of the coin just as much is like if, you know, like if, if you somehow manage to stop Trae Young from putting up 30 and nine, they've still got, you know, like a, yeah, a, other weapons. a, yeah, a strong cast of guys who can either put the ball in the deck and make a play in Bogdanovich and maybe Reddish if he can get there and then just shooting, shooting, shooting. So... I'm uh, I'm optimistic. I I don't think that they'll be world beaters. I'm looking at this team as the eight seed. Mm. I think yeah. they'll definitively be worse than the seven teams above them. But I think that they'll probably end up being quite a substantial gap between them and whoever comes in at nine. Mm. Yep. Yeah, no, it's it's a well set number, uh, and I think I can definitely see both of us being right. But I'm just happy to bet against Onyeka Okongwu and the two rookies from last year being bad at defense because. The young players. We've, and well, we've already had a defense for a full season, so that's, yeah, that's honestly not the worst. Not the worst thing. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's move on to the Boston Celtics, and the number for them is set at forty-five point five, which would be fifty-one point five wins in an eighty-two game season. They added Aaron Naismith, Peyton Pritchard, Tristan Thompson, and Jeff Teague, and they lost Enos Cantor. Brad Wanamaker and Gordon Hayward. And I'd like to add that Kemba Walker is going to be missing until it says January, but you know, th- this could be the end of January uh, with a knee injury, which I didn't write in our notes, which is brilliant. So this would leave Jeff Teague and Peyton Pritchard at the the point guard. Now that Brad Wanamaker has gone to Golden State and Dante, are you going under or over 51 games in a normal regular season? I'm going under. Mm. I'm going under. I think that, this team will still be really good. And I think I'll probably have them on my short list to make their Eastern Conference finals. But I think that their success will not necessarily come at least in the first half of the regular season. I think it could be a bit of a struggle. You're going over or under? I'm going under as well. Um, and I just think they're going to get off to a slow start. And yeah, they're probably going to be in the conference finals again. And that's fine. It doesn't matter what, <laughs> it doesn't matter how many wins you win in the regular season, especially if fans are potentially not going to be in the stands for the playoffs, then it definitely doesn't matter if you're going to get home court advantage because what, what does that actually mean at the end of the day? Um, and I think Jeff Teague is past, definitely past his prime, but might be past his basketball playing career. Losing Brad Monomaker is a big loss considering that their point guard depth is now for two months of the season. I, I would be happy to say, no, I wouldn't be happy to say that one month of the season and potentially more, their point guard player is going to be a rookie and Jeff Teague. And that's a little bit gross. Um, and Gordon Hayward would be a guy that would be nice to have as just a, a wing that can come in, play point guard in a pinch, but they don't, have, they don't have Gordon Hayward, and I'm not going to say that they're going to miss him because they've definitely got more elite wings there, but they're going to miss the little bit of playmaking and pressure release that, uh, that he comes in and can act as. I think the... I think that pickup of um, Peyton Pritchard at, that, at 26 in this... The, the, the draft just passed could potentially be a shrewd acquisition. Now, I'm definitely not hanging my... <laughs> point guard hopes whilst Kemba's out uh, on 
you know, like a, a, the 26th pick rookie, but he's kind of fits the same profile as Kemba in that he's little, like he's like six, two or something. He's very small and will probably be quite bad on D at least initially, but offensively he, I think fits perfectly into that Kemba role. He's a lethal shooter. He can score off the bounce. He can run a pick and roll. Um, and, you know, he had, like, huge success. Like, he's not just a dude. Like, he was All-American Pac-12 player of the year this past season. So, in an offense where the ball is kind of going through Tatum a lot more, which I want to talk about because I don't necessarily think that that is a recipe for success. But if it's kind of going through Tatum and maybe Brown a lot more than it was last season with Kemba and Haywood there, having someone like that who's – a bit more of a scoring guard than a pure point, I think could be uh, go some way to alleviating pressure. But my biggest concern for this team is that with Kemba gone, and I think it's I think it's honestly beyond doubt that Jeff Teague is past his basketball playing career. I think Jeff Teague is like a I I don't really see Jeff Teague making any sort of positive impact at all. You'd be better off flipping a second for some other team's third point guard and bringing him in. Baz Napier's but, still on the market. Yeah, I'd probably be better. You know, like flip a flip two seconds for Jalen Brunson or something like that. And I think he's worth more than two seconds. But yeah, yeah, but a you, you know like what that, I mean. A guy like, like that, just like, a key serviceable guy. Guy like that, yeah. Um, I think that having the ball in take if they. They're kind of damn if they do, damn if they don't. Because if they go and run it through, run the offense through their point guards, you're going to be having subpar point guards run the offense whilst Kemba's out. And Kemba has been so injury played the last few seasons that it's fair to say, like, like you mentioned, it's the end of January. Is he going to come back on time on schedule? We don't know that he's not going to get hurt again. He's definitely going to have to rest. So if we're seeing the ball in Tatum's hands a lot, we're seeing some impersonation of point Tatum. I'm really worried that he'll kind of fall back into the tendencies that he had in his second year and the start of last season where he's just the king of the mid-range, but he's not actually an elite mid-range scorer. So he ends up being a low-efficiency, high-volume scorer. He'll still get his 25, but you want to see him shooting threes off the catch, shooting threes off the dribble, and then getting to the rim, getting fouled, which... When his all of his success that you know propelled him to such great heights, the second half of this season just passed. Came when he kind of diversified his diet um, and stopped shooting many mid ranges. And I'm worried that uh, an offense would take him as the dominant ball handler and also living in the mid range is not an offense that is going to be good enough to keep you afloat. And like I mentioned at the top with Atlanta, the East is going to be better. This mm-hmm. season, and you're not going to have to worry about, you know, like looking behind you and seeing an Indiana without Oladipo or like an Orlando. All of a sudden, you're looking behind you and you're seeing a Brooklyn or you're seeing a fully healthy Indiana, you know, like these mm-hmm. teams feeling like actually getting it together. Mm-hmm. So, I think that this could be the team that falls out of that, um, that kind of core group of contenders and maybe even down to something like the sixth seed. 
I don't see him falling that far. Um, I don't think it's horrible if if there's a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum to handle the ball. Uh, we are talking as if Kemba's never coming back. Like He will eventually come back, and I, I don't see them falling out of that top tier of contender because when it is time to contend, they're going to have, hopefully, a healthy, a healthy Kemba Walker there. And I think Tristan Thompson is uh, like a big improvement on Enos Cantor. Um, it's probably not the most valuable position to improve, but they definitely improved there. I just, yeah, I agree with you with the Tatum point. He's probably going to get less efficient. He's probably not going to shoot 40% from three again um, when he doesn't have Kemba Walker next to him where it's like, okay, I didn't I didn't get the shot this time. Swing it out to Kemba. He's a creator all onto himself. Or if you've got someone like Kemba warping the defense, then you get better shots. That, that's, that's just simple. If you've got good players, you're going to get better shots. Um, so I do think he's going to get, uh, he's going to get less efficient. I don't think it's going to take him down to the sixth seed, but I think it's going to like hurt their number, and that's why I've gone with the under again. Do you think that Kemba will play 40 games? 40 out of 72. 40 out of 72? Because <sighs> if... I mean, like he's already... The, the schedule's condensed, so let's say mm. that he misses most of January. That's already going to be like eight to ten games. Mm. So then you're looking at him having to having to play two thirds of the remaining games and this situation just screams resting on back to backs. Yeah. Kind of I, situation. So I, I don't know how serious the injury is. Back, but... Yeah. Neither, I mean, like, you know, like neither do I, but it's an <laughs> aggravation of, it's an aggravation of an injury that he had last season. And we saw how he looked at the end of last season, like pre shutdown, he missed so much time. And then we saw him again, limping around in the bubble and I don't know, like it, it, it gives me, gives me huge pause. It's, it's definitely a prognostication, but I, I just think like if Kemba only plays half the, half the games and Hayward just walked, you pretty much have lost without getting anything back 1.5 of your best four players last season, which yeah. is not really a recipe when everybody else around you is adding, adding, adding and you're taking a step back, the only thing that you can rely on is internal development. And yes, you've got some really strong role players. But like I said before, I think necessarily that Tatum's game is is a sort of, uh, game that can push forward in a ball-dominant role that like we see with some of the other all-star wings in the league and, and not struggle with his efficiency. Mm, mm, yeah. Which um, with no I, pressure valve, you know, I, with no release feel... valve... I feel like we haven't mentioned the name Marcus Smart, which is definitely going to help this. And he's he's probably going to be starting up. I think they said he, he is going to be starting at the point guard at the start of the year. Um, but look, you, you move a guy up there and then who's who's coming up behind him? You've got Peyton Pritchard or like, you know, how much do you love Carson Edwards or Tremont Waters? Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe this is a year where Marcus Smart is just even better than he has been. But I think we already know what Marcus Smart is, and that's not an elite playmaker. Yeah. And yeah, he actually is an elite shooter, which uh, sort of goes under the radar. But all right, should we move on to the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, let's do it. So their number is set at 46 flat, which in 82 games is 52 wins. They added Jeff Green, Landry Shamet, Bruce Brown, Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, and Ime Uduka, uh, Udoka as the coaches. And literally their only loss was outside of draft picks, um, which they traded away before they were converted as Garrett Temple. Um, and I, what am I doing with this? So 52 wins. I am hitting the over because I think one thing that I didn't mention in the notable additions was 
what's his name? Kevin Durant. And uh, I think the other dude's name is Kyrie Irving. And they're very good at basketball. And I'm willing to bet that they're going to come in. The only situation which I see them going under this number, which would be 52 wins, is when, and this is one of my favorite scenarios to think of, is which is where they end up with the 10th seed, they get into the play-in, they beat like Atlanta or whoever it is, they get into the 8th seed, they, they upset Milwaukee and then go all the way to win a championship with Kyrie and KE getting hot in the playoffs. That is so very Kevin Durant and so very Brooklyn Nets. But all in all, I think this team's going to be fucking amazing and they're going to hit the over uh, maybe uh, by a lot. The only way this team is in the top six seed is if is through injury. If KD comes back and either gets hurt again or he's not himself and Kyrie misses time with his recurring knee injury, that's the only the only way that this team isn't going to be elite. So I also am hitting the over and just like I mean, you know, KD and all reports are from people that are playing with KD, playing pickup, that he's pretty much all the way back. So let's just pencil in a top five player in the league. Mm. Kyrie, you know, for all of his faults and flaws, which we love to bring up and agonize over on the pod, he's still a top 20 player. So right there, you've got two all-NBA caliber players. Mm. And then you've got Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, John Joe Jordan, when he wants to, can still turn it on. Landry Shamet, and then I know that he was bad last year, but I can't shake it. Torian Prince as the – we need a name know. for someone who's Jeff not Green. a – Jeff Green's taken his role. Torian yeah. Prince is now matching salary at $12 million. We, a year. we need a name for someone who is neither a three nor a D. Like, do we just, like, leave a space? Like, no, Torian <laughs> Prince, the and Four. wing. Yeah. <laughs> and then a couple of, like, you know, kind of, like, high upside – um, not necessarily high upside, but mysterious players like Rodion Skouritz and Nick Claxton, who if you told me that they carved out a role and played 15 minutes a game on a good team, like I would be shocked. If they fade into obscurity, whatever. But there's a lot of talent in their role players. There's a lot of overlapping skill set, but there's also a lot of specialization. So I'm like, Levert, you can throw in with the second unit and just like say, go and get buckets. Allen and, and Jordan, defensive specialist. Dinwiddie, do it all point. Harris, elite shooter. Shamit, elite shooter. Like they kind of, their role players kind of tick all the boxes of what you want in roster construction. And then you just throw in Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Dante, you haven't even mentioned the best part, which is there's just so many coaches. Like all those guys are just so cerebral. And like maybe you can throw a jersey on Steve Nash and all of a sudden that's another player. Because I'm sure if it works one way, it works the other way as well. There's just so many bright minds. And and what's his name? Uh, Jacques Vaughan is still staying on. That's a massive ad. Um, but all, all jokes aside from World Be Flat, I think this is seriously a, a very good team. And World Be Flat, that's that's incredible. <laughs> Are you going to pick them? Uh, obviously, we're going to do some more serious predictions after this pod and the next, but are you going to pick these guys to win the championship or are they going to be in your top three or, or what's the go? I'm I'm a big believer in continuity and I don't think that a team <laughs> assembled, which this is effectively what it is. Like I know Kyrie was there for some of last year, but KD hasn't played, new coach, new coaching staff effectively. Uh, I don't think, I'm not a big believer in the, overwhelming success of teams constructed like this in their first season. Mm. Um, I, I am a big believer in, 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 you know, like, like one season and then let's go. So I think that next season, this team could be absolutely lethal, but I think 
I probably wouldn't take this team in the playoffs over like the Bucks. The Bucks or if the Celtics get healthy and get hot, like I'd probably still take the Celtics. So but I mean I think, you know, I think they'll be like I think they'll absolutely be a top four seed. Uh which, you know, this year actually means something. And I think like you said off the top, I think that with an over at the equivalent of 52 games, like it's not really hard for me to imagine this team hitting 58 and being the two seed, you know, like that, that is mm. not out of the realm of possibility. And their first, like you mentioned, their first year head coach is one of the most cerebral players of all time, the pioneer <laughs> of modern offense. And then his assistant coaches is D'Antoni who like, let's you know, quickly pull up D'Antoni's career, career winning percentage. Cause I, you know, it's, it's definitely like 62 mm. and then, Chuck Vaughan and Udoka have been getting, uh, you know, head coaching buzz for each of the last two off-seasons. So you've effectively got three qualified head coaches to back up your first-time head coach who's also, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Average 10 assists for his career and won, won two MVPs. It's not like you go, yeah, you can't point to him and say, well, he's inexperienced because he's got heaps of experience behind he's him. He's got but... so much support. And and there is some truth to what Kyrie says. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously not... It's <laughs> obviously not concentrated. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that is honestly a can of worms. But it's obviously control of the offense and the team is obviously not concentrated in Steve Nash like it is in some other teams with a coach at the top. So it is going to be probably more of a collective um, and, you know, like communal approach to, to things, maybe not to the extent that Kyrie thinks it will be, but <laughs> I think this team is going to be really, really good. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if they're like, you know, like the, the, the two or the three seed and wouldn't surprise me if they're in the, the conference finals. Yeah. Um, I would just like to say before we move on to the Hornets that, the last time Kevin Durant played basketball was in the finals in a Warriors jersey. And yes, he tore his Achilles, but in the 11 minutes and 59 seconds before that, he had hit three threes, um, three out of three threes, and had 11 points. So 11 points in 11 minutes. And he looked incredible. And that was after not playing for a couple of weeks. So yes. Can I just, can yeah. I just say something just on that? It's actually really interesting that you've brought that up. I just want to... We should move on to the Hornets, but I just want to like get this in. After he did his Achilles 12 minutes into that game, there was some discussion that I read of like experienced NBA journos being like, you could tell he was laboring up and down the court and didn't look <laughs> right. And the Warriors should have seen that and not put him in. And I was like, bro, at the time I was like, were you watching the game? Like you just, <laughs> you just said this, he was pulling up for, he was pulling up for threes. He was dunking on people. He was getting to the free throw line. He looked, inc- he looked incredible. And then, you know, the, the retroactive, disgusting. They should have rested him. They shouldn't have played him, uh, came in. So, anyway, shame on uh, certain members of the NBA uh, journalist community. You've been warned. <laughs> you heard your <laughs> Tobacco companies aren't allowed to advertise anywhere in Australia and a number of other countries. Even if you haven't seen Mad Men yet, you understand why. It's obvious. But it wasn't always this way. Tobacco advertising used to flood Australian sport until the late 1980s. Something that was completely normalised then now seems unfathomable today. 
Australians lose over $1.2 billion annually by gambling on sport. And it may seem harmless to put a multi on if you think you've got an edge, but what's harmful is the growing normalization of sports gambling and the massive increase in the risk of addiction. What's worse is that these companies are raking in your money, throwing it back into advertising and even targeting children, the next generation of gamblers in their eyes. The gambling industry spends millions on advertising every year to make it look exciting and risk-free, often placing their ads in places where they know kids and teenagers will see them the most. Next time you're watching any sport, basketball, footy, tennis, cricket, or anything else, try and see how long you can go without seeing an ad for betting. Now imagine you're a kid watching the game. There's no way to avoid it. A 12-year-old in Australia today has never even seen a professional sports game without gambling advertisements. The answer isn't to ban sports gambling, but there needs to be a change in the way it's advertised. Follow the link in this episode's description or type in endgamblingads.org.au forward slash petition to sign the petition to remove gambling ads from the sports we love and go back to enjoying it without any money on it. <laughs> right, let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets who had a very interesting offseason. They added... Lomelo Ball with the first, uh, third overall pick, not the first. Um, Gordon Hayward and Bismack Biombo. By the way, how much money have they paid Bismack Biombo uh, before they before they didn't want to pay Kemba Walker, even though it's looking good at this very moment? Um, and they lost very notable loss in Nicholas Batum, and they lost Michael Kidd Gilchrist, which was actually I don't know why I wrote that because they lost him to a trade, or did they cut him uh, midway they, through the they, season? They cut him. They cut him. Um, so I'm going to bang the under because I think first-year point guards are very bad and sometimes it takes a couple of years for point guards to get good. And Lamelo is a guy who you want to make a lot of mistakes in his early seasons because, look, you, you, you're not expecting much out of him. And Lamelo Ball, if he is going to be a superstar, is going to be a superstar five years from now. He's not going to be a Luka Doncic, you know, 16 points in his rookie year, and then all of a sudden he's in the MVP discussion. I think adding Hayward is good, but like, what's the reason Hayward came to this team? Hayward came because he wants to go back to his former glory that he had. Uh, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing a lot here of, of what he actually wants, but to go back to being the guy on a team. Um, and I don't know if Gordon Hayward can be the guy that dragged your team to the playoffs like he did in his last year in Utah. And um, they were... They overperformed their win, their expected win-loss last season, and that was mostly due to guys like Devontae Graham just being incredible and just like, whoa, how, how the hell could you quantify a dude who was playing for the Greensboro Swarm to be all of a sudden like the best three-point shooter in the league the following season? That could happen again with whoever it is. Like, you know, do you really like the Twins? What are they called? The... Martin twins. The Martin twins. If you really love one of them, I don't. I think they're good, but they're not gonna you're not gonna be score nineteen points for you. So I'm banging the under very hard. Sorry, I forgot to say their number was twenty five and a half or twenty eight and a half in eighty two games. I'm I'm joining you on the under on this team. You've written in our run sheet, little do the odds makers know this team will be much worse than <laughs> than that. The list of rookie point guards who've been excellent in their first year in the last 10 years is Wall, Irving, and Morant. And the rest of them have all had significant growing pains. And oftentimes, the best way to blood a young point guard is, like you said, just throw him in, say, play through the mistakes. We're going to play you 34 minutes a game. If you shoot 40% from the field, that's okay. We want to just see you kind of like just knowing what to do, letting the game slow down for you. This season is going to be that blank canvas 
season for, for Lamelo and figuring out who compliments him and in what ways he needs greater support. But, you know, I think like you, I'm a Devontae Graham skeptic in the sense that if you told me that this, that that's as good as it gets, I'm not, I am not going to be, I'm not going to be shocked. Like I don't, I don't look at Devontae Graham as a player necessarily with a lot of room for growth. Well, he's 24, man. Like he, I think he's. I don't even it. mean age. I just mean like, so you were one of the best high volume three point shooters in the league. You're a pretty decent passer. You can run an effective pick and roll because people have, people have to go over you, but you're not a good defender. You're not going to get bigger. You're 24, so you've had how many years in the system where you've been asked to defend? You're still not a good, not a good defender, and you're one of the worst finishers in the league at the rim and in the mid range. So your value is derived, your value on the ball is derived almost entirely from the three point shot. And you know what did you shoot last year? Like 43 percent on like eight attempts a game. So if you tell me that he shoots 37 on eight attempts a game, and struggles a bit with the ball not in his hand as much as it was last year and you know like he's not the budding all-star that some people seem to think he is this team's going to be much 30, worse 37% on 9.3 attempts but yeah I completely agree yeah. if he drops just yeah, a, if he drops if, off a little yeah if he drops just a little bit his, 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 his you know the majority of his offensive value just can crater and mm. I'm not super high on bridges or Washington. I don't think the Martin twins will really figure into it because they're, you know, like they're back of the back of the roster dudes. But like, you know, Miles Bridges averaged like like ten points and shot like forty two percent from the field despite being six nine and weighing two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah. PJ Washington was good as a rookie, but I'm not looking at him as someone who, you know, is gonna swing this and, and yeah, I think uh you're right on Haywood that he's gonna be good and I think he's actually a pretty you know, despite the egregious overpay. He's going to be a pretty astute um, addition in, in, when it comes to Lamelo, just because like you, he'll a give you the chance to try out Lamelo off ball a little bit and kind of see how he looks in a in a role where he's cutting or posting up or spotting up, um, but also just gives you that confident secondary ball handler that can bail him out like when he undoubtedly does get into sticky situations. But none of that makes me think that this is going to be a good team on on any level and they're going to struggle on D they've they're turning the keys over to a young player. And, oh, I think definitely bang the under. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the bulls. Um, and the bulls number is set at 34 flat or 30, sorry, 30 flat or 34 in 82 games. They added Pat Williams with the fourth pick Garrett Temple, Noah Vonley and Billy Donovan. And they lost Chris Dunn, Jim Boyle and, and Garpax. Garpax was a little bit earlier, but I guess you can still call it this off season because it was, uh, in that morass <laughs> during the during the pandemic, um, and this number puts their puts the Bulls what so that's five and a half wins better than the Charlotte Hornets, um, and I I'm going to hit the over for pretty much all the same reasons that I picked them last season, and if you do remember, I actually banged the over on the Chicago Bulls because I thought they were going to be much better. I thought adding competency in Thomas Sadaransky and uh, Thaddeus Young next to the young core that is Wendell Carter Jr. 
Larry Markinen and Kobe White, I thought that would be good. I thought those guys would be good. Kobe White was good. Larry had a bit of a regression, and Wendell Carter Jr. wasn't used how I think he should be used. Um, and I think literally just a competent point, a, a competent coach. Um, I, I I was happy to see Jim Boylan try what he wanted to try, but fuck, he was really bad. And they're also sort of adding Otto Porter, and, and this this team probably had the worst small forward rotation last year because it was literally Shanla Hutchinson and then Chris Dunn pretty much at the three. Um, and now they're going to get a healthy Otto Porter. Hopefully, they've just drafted Pat Williams. Garrett Temple can play that in a pinch, and I think this is for all the same reasons I picked them to go over last year. Hopefully, they can do it again. I I think we're going to have the same conversation if. If uh, if you're just dredging up last year's rationale for this year's <laughs> this year's team, I'm I'm going push. I actually think this is exactly where they're going to end up. I didn't want to commit to one either way because there's there's you know I think you're in part right. There's enough talent here that with competent level average NBA coaching, which there's reason to believe that Billy Donovan is a slightly above average NBA coach. Like he he he's he's definitely schematically and in terms of managerial style, um, you know, like a decent coach. So that won't be an issue. And with the, uh, with the talent on the team, I think there's enough reason to think that they will be a step above the Hornets uh, of the world. But I, I'm troubled by what we've seen from Wendell Carter Jr. through two years and potentially not being used in the appropriate way is, one thing, but when you watch Bulls games last season, like he's just like he's just not impactful, and that doesn't all come from not being used in the exact same way that everyone wanted to, you know, everyone wanted to use him like Al Horford when he comes in, you know, like there's still even if you're not being used like Al Horford, you can still impact the game in positive ways, which Carter didn't really do. And Larry Markinen is sneakily one of the least efficient shooters. Last scores. No, no. Like just in general, I'm <laughs> I'm looking at his numbers, <laughs> and there's uh, I'm looking at his shot chart. There's a lot of blue. I'll say that much. So with you know, I, I don't want to pencil in Lowry for you know returning to form and banging in 22 on high efficiency in his uh you know in his fourth year. Like I don't think that's a given. There's still questions that haven't been answered about how much Zach Levine's play contributes to winning maybe we'll find out more definitively and then well, you're looking it never at, has before so that's probably yeah a good well, reason yeah i mean it never, it never it never has before so we've got seven years of, of wondering and seven years of pretty decent evidence and then in terms of young guys looking at pat williams number four pick who is the winner of this year's marquis chris award for the guy that just skyrocketed up draft boards <laughs> in the last three weeks he's a dude who wasn't even in the first round or that late first round discussion um, a couple of months ago, and he's gone fourth. Reason to believe that he'll, he might develop into a good player, but probably a bit ambitious to expect big contributions from him. And then Kobe White, last year's seventh overall pick, who is you know like a pretty decent player and has put up some big scoring scoring games. But again, I I think that asking him to be a contributor that pushes you you know sort of into that like ballpark of five hundred is is maybe. Maybe a bit much. So I'm, I'm going to go push because I think the flaw here is that there's still some pretty decent players who have some pretty defined skill sets. 
um, and the, the coaching, you know, having like not a clown show as your head coach will be good for the uh, competency of the team. But I, I, I'm not optimistic. So, yeah, the reasons I picked him to go over last year is because there's a lot of talent on this roster. And I think the, a really good way to look at it is you had the 30th ranked coach last season and now you have the 14th ranked coach. And I think that is going to be huge. Um, you might be forgetting that Kobe White, after the All-Star break, averaged 25 points and four assists in 33 minutes. Like, it seems like a million years ago, but he was absolutely on fire. I remember he was hitting all those threes. He, I think he hit the he, – he set the rookie record for, for threes made in a game or whatever. It was like seven or something. Anyway, um, he, he had that really good moment, and – I'm just I'm just looking forward to it because the Bulls the Bulls are saying all the the right things this training camp. They're saying, look, um, they said Wendell Carter Jr. is just going to be doing DHOs nonstop. He's going to have these two athletic guards alongside him, just like bing bang bong, throwing it everywhere. If you can have any slight competence competency higher than Chandler Hutchinson at the wing, that is a huge plus. Um, and I, I just think. For, yeah, we're going to say the same thing. Um, I'm happy you've gone pushed, not under, but I think that this is a not even a much improved team, just a much improved coach, and that's going to do so much. Yeah, I just want to say though, Kobe White, like no one's ever doubted his scoring ability. <laughs> the 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 knock, you know, the knock on him has been: can he play D? Can he not be? Can he can he not? be a target on D, which is all you ask for a six, you know, like a small guard. I don't know what, I, he might be six to be, but he's very, very slight. Uh, that's all you can ask is just like, be like passable. But after the all-star break, this team had nothing to play for and they handed Kobe White the keys and they were like, just go. And they weren't winning games. So it's like, you know, in the same way that Zach Levine putting up 47 and everyone's like, the you know the unimpressed Stephen A. Smith meme where he's just like mm, okay like call me when you contribute to winning basketball mm-hmm. Kobe White averaging twenty five for you know a month is good but I would like to see the Bulls record uh, in those games so I don't think that his scoring ability has been demonstrated yet to be something that like translates but it's a good Definitely a good thing to have in the Arsenal for, like you mentioned, the 14th best coach as opposed to, I don't even think that you can say Boylan is the 30th. Like the reality is probably more like 52nd because (laughs) there's that many quality assistants that, you know, like. There's like seven of them on the nets as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jim Boylan, Jim Boylan. uh, Yeah. That, that is his (laughs) last stint as an NBA head coach. I will be, Fairly certain of that. <laughs> let's, um, let's move on to Detroit. All right, cool. So Detroit uh, is not actually next. The Cleveland Cavaliers are next. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cavs, the Cavs let's, said let, it. No, let's move on to Detroit anyway. No, this is my only, <laughs> this is my only push, Dante. Um, so the Cavs are set at 22 flat or 25 per 82 games. They added Isaac Okora, JaVel McGee, Damian Dotson, and they lost Tristan, Tristan Thompson, Jordan Bell, Alfonso McKinney. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going to push. I've said I've pushed. I think they're going to hit 25. How many wins? They had like 19 wins last season. I fucking fully believe that they are, if they'd played out the entire season, they would have won what 22 maybe. Um, so this is fine. They didn't get much better. I don't think that the sex land combo is going to be much better. 
Um, this is this is just so meh. Like, I mean, Andre Drummond, good on you, man. But uh, that's yeah, just uh, this is so uninspiring. <laughs> <laughs> just talk about Colin good Sexton on you, man. Minutes, Andre, man. This this Andre is why I'm, this is why I'm saying push. This is like this is the exact same team as last year. Andre Drummond hasn't proven he can contribute to winning basketball. If him and if him and um, Zach Levine met up one night and just like had a party, that'd be such a fucking average party. Um, <laughs> but I just I just don't know. Like Garland has to be better than the worst player in basketball. Uh, Colin Sexton. There's been a lot of good vibes for him in in Slayer magazine. I don't know who his agent is, but whatever he's doing, he's he's <laughs> he's getting interviewed by the right people because people are like, yeah, but he's a scorer. Uh, maybe maybe you're drinking from the fountain of Slayer magazine, Colin Sexton vibes. Don't I you? haven't been drinking from Slam Mountain, Slam magazine fountain since I was in uh, in high school. Though for a very long time, I did drink regularly from the fountain. <laughs> I'll um. Wait, did Let you just say you drank, you drank regularly in high school? Because that's pretty fucked up, Dante. <laughs> what do you mean, drank regularly from the fountain, Sean? Come on. I know, I know. Go on. So, what do you got? What do you got to say about the Cavs? Okay, so you say that sex. You don't think that sex land is going to be much better, but I say, how can there be much worse? <laughs> you know. It's it's year three for Sexton, and I am still tantalised by his uh, future as an on-ball scorer. But I fully like hands up, like maybe that just looks like Jordan Clarkson. Like maybe that's what he is because he uh, is just about the worst playmaking point guard that I remember seeing. Uh, in that he's not really a point guard because he has no point guard skills and he's one of the worst defenders in basketball. I'm less optimistic on, on Garland simply because, and this is conjecture because it's not about him as a player, but I'm tainted by the Dennis Smith Jr. Kevin Knox experience of them being literally like the worst players in the entire fucking league as rookies. And then all Dennis Smith in his second season, uh, and then coming back the next season and being literally the worst fucking player in the league because turns out they can't play. Uh, so that's definitely on the table with, um, with, with Garland. And I don't even know if I said what I'm, what I'm doing on this. I'm going under because okay. you're right. This is, a, this is a shit team. And Kevin Love has been one of the worst players uh, in the league and de- definitely the worst contract in the league the last two seasons. Uh, Drummond, yeah, whatever. Maybe, I'm thinking maybe we can post the video that he posted. Maybe we can share that to our socials. It's just a video of the Cavs dancing for like a minute, but Drummond never leaves the frame. He's just in the frame the entire time. Other dudes are kind of like coming like into the camera and then like going out of frame and coming back in again or like going across. Drummond is just in the middle of the fucking screen dancing to some shitty song. And I feel like that's probably a good metaphor for the Andre Drummond experience in that he's just always there. And you're like, can you just go? But he doesn't go because he's being, being paid $27 million a year to be a leg average center whose play style doesn't fit. This is going to be a bad team. Is, is it, is Bickerstaff the coach here? Yep. It's the the eternal interim has now become a head coach for another yeah. year. Well, I mean, 
let's let's call this the Billy Donovan light bump. Maybe gets them a couple more wins because they go from B line Johnny B to Bickerstaff, who if Bickerstaff is the twenty fourth best coach in the league, <laughs> that's still like a ten place improvement on on B line. So I think team is going to be bad, um, but maybe not as bad as last year. Maybe two wins better, <laughs> something like that. Like they, if they were 19 wins last season, maybe they can get to 21, but still under for well, this team. They're not going to be playing like a bunch of slugs as well. <laughs> that word's banned, Sean. You can't say that word. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. They Detroit? Are, I, yeah. I always wanted to move on to Detroit. Their number is 23 flat or 26 in 82 games. Their notable additions were <gasps> Mason Plumlee, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Delon Wright, Jalil Okafor, Josh Jackson, Jeremy Grant, Wayne Ellington, and Rodney Magruder. And then they lost Christian Wood, Bruce right. Brown, Luke Kennard, or, and Thon Macher. Um, this, these projections have Detroit ahead of the Knicks. Sorry, th- these projections have the Knicks and Hornets ahead of Detroit this season. Um, and I am going to hit the over simply because they, the Detroit Pistons aren't trying to win games. Um, that's, that's something that Troy Weaver has said and wants to do. And I think the reason why they would be good is that Derek Rose is again, having that nice little 19 points. Blake Griffin is having a really good season. And if both of those guys are having good seasons, they're getting traded. But I think that, even if those guys are average, that is enough to push them over 23. Like this is, this is a fucking Cleveland Cavaliers number. I think Detroit is better than the Cavs. And I, I really like Killian Hayes if, if he's going to be maybe not Ja Morant, um, but maybe Kobe White and he gets hot for a month and they win five extra games or something. I, I, there's just too much here and too much competency for them to be worse than 23. Like 23 slash 26 is such a low number. And I think they're going to be just ahead. I think that's pretty bold of you to use the word competency when discussing most of the additions that they've well, made. Well, they, they do. Like DeLon Wright, Mason Plumley, and, and Wayne Ellington. Like that is three average good rotation players. Like competency. Yeah, but Wayne Ellington's better when he's playing on a, you know, like a good team. Wayne Ellington, none of the dudes on this list are making anybody else better except for maybe Killian Hayes and, and the biggest Blake issue Griffin. that I and have Blake I'm talking about the additions and Blake it's like whatever it's a toss up like if Blake's healthy and playing well like I said he's getting traded Derek Rose is the first team that offers you know like a like a lottery protected first round pick in 2022 for mm-hmm. Derek Rose he's getting traded you know like if Detroit can get a decent pick in 2022 the potential to be a double draft Troy Weaver is going to hit eject and Rose is gone <laughs> and if he can find someone who's willing to give up uh, you know a pick in 2021 or 2022 to take Blake Griffin's contract even obviously with matching salary coming back the other way I think that he's gone as well um, the only player pretty much on this roster that's a plus shooter is Wayne Ellington and Wayne Ellington's going to play 15 minutes a game Jeremy Grant I'm still skeptical on as a high volume efficient shooter that yeah he he shot like 38 percent for a full season last season which is nothing to sneeze at but i'm still apprehensive and then the rest of 
this team, there's no shooting. They're just all big. Yeah, they're, they're, all, and, they're all Jeremy Grant kind of guys where it's like, oh, they're really good cutters. It's like, yeah, but have they tried cutting when no one yeah. can shoot on the floor? Killian Hayes can't shoot. So, like, are they going to roll out a team with, like, Hayes, DeLon Wright, Grant, <laughs> Griffin, and Plumley? Like, who's hitting a three in that lineup? Blake Griffin is. Blake Griffin's your best shooter on the floor then. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's, uh. that speaks for itself. <laughs> I'm, I'm going under. Uh, I probably should have mentioned that again off the top. I got lost in the source of this Detroit Pistons team. But I, I just think that, like you said, this team's not going to try and win. They've added some decent players, but the puzzle pieces don't fit together. And we've seen time and time again, I like case in point, last year's New York Knicks. Julius Randle, Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson are all fine players in the right situation, not all on the court at the same time. And Hayes has massive... Massive RJ Barrett potential here in which you're like, let's just get competent vets around him and give him the keys. But mm. if no one can shoot, you know, like you give him the keys to the first door and he opens it and finds three more doors behind it, which he doesn't have a key for. So under. All right. I, I'm just, again, I'll just reiterate that I'm hitting the over just because this team is better than Cleveland. Um, and they're going to win. Blake Griffin will have one game this year. It'll be like 20 and 20 and five and five. And it'll be like, oh, that's actually really cool. Like, you know, Blake Griffin's this playmaking hub again. And they'll win a couple of games there. And just, there's no one on the Cavs where it's like, oh, yeah, but. Andre Jones will push them up a little bit. Blake Griffin can push this team up a little bit. Um, yeah, but did you know that Colin Sexton once won a game and scored 40 points playing three on five in college? So, you know, I rest my case. That's the shit I don't want to see. All right, I rest my case. The Indiana Pacers. Yeah, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers because this is kind of where, you know, we've had a couple, couple runs of the sad undoings, <laughs> like maybe a push. This is kind of where it like spices back up a little bit. This is like, not like a Carolina Reaper, not a ghost pepper, but like, you know, one of those little bird's eye ones from the supermarket, like just enough to give you a bit of a kick. Well, I'm Sean Evans and welcome to, uh, what's the hot ones? Um, hot so ones. the Indiana Pacers, <laughs> uh, by the way, you mentioned we've gone through a bit of a bad run. I've picked over out of two of the last three teams. Yeah, but you're picking over Detroit <laughs> that they're going to they're gonna win 24 games, not 23. Like it's still bad. All right, all right. So the Indiana Pacers, their number set at thirty-nine and a half, which in a normal season is forty-four and a half. They added Nate Yorkgren or York Nobite, and they lost Nate McMillan. That that is literally it. They didn't add or lose any relevant players. I'm sorry if I just called your favorite TJ not relevant. Um, but for the same reason, I'm going to go for the same reason as Chicago. I'm going to pick the over, and I think by your little intro beforehand, I think you're also picking the over. But I'm picking the over just simply because. They've changed the coach. Everyone's just like the guys on this team aren't old. So you're just asking these guys who are young, developing, uh, or even in the case of Victor Oladipo, a guy who wants to get out of there and wants to prove that he can play. These guys are just going to get better simply by far the time moving the clock forwards a little bit. Um, there was a report today that TJ McConnell's TJ Warren's going to miss the start of the season. It's not like Kemba Walker where it's like, oh, what are you going to do? We're stuck with Peyton Pritchard. Like, you, you'll be fine. They've got heaps of wings. They've got heaps of bigs as well. Um, and, and this team is just going to be okay. And if, it, best case scenario, Victor Oladipo plays incredible and he goes, oh, I actually quite like it here. This is cool. I'm going to stay. And then they've got a fully healthy Victor Oladipo all season. And they're going to be 
in an 82 game season, a shade under 50 wins, but like a four or five game drop off under the like pretty, it's a, that's a reasonable case scenario. I think that's uh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm also going over, but I think I'm more optimistic on this team than you are. Okay. Um, I think that this could be the team that that makes a jump from that. They, they ended up finishing fifth last season, but you know, uh, going into the uh, going into the playoffs, there was a definite uh, break between these guys and the Sixers, and then the rest of the teams uh, that were in top six seeds. Like they were definitely. Uh, limping in and, and no one really viewed them as a, a, a significant threat. I think that that could change and I think they could kind of vault themselves into top four seed discussion because, you you know, with, with Detroit, you want to talk about competency. This is the most competent roster in the entire NBA. The most Every competent single... roster in the whole entire NBA. This yeah. is the roster with, what, like three TJs on it. <laughs> hey, Twice the T, double the J, you know? You know, you do know that the J Holiday is Justin Holiday, not Drew. Yeah. I wouldn't call it the most <laughs> roster in the whole fucking No, league. But, but no, okay. All right. Well, like Malcolm Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, and then do you go... Do, well, I mean, I turn on as he probably comes off the bench. Maybe, maybe you slide in Holiday or... Um, McDermott or something at the three and then play one at the four with Sabonis. But that kind of like, regardless, like your, your starting five is going to be pretty good. And then your reserves, you're looking at two holidays, Aaron and Justin, both aggressively competent. Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, McDermott. Um, and then I, I reckon that's a good 10. I reckon that is a good 10 person unit. And We've seen what this team can look like a couple of seasons ago with a healthy Oladipo. I'm not hanging all my hopes on that, but um, Brogdon is a genuinely like great point guard, and Sabonis. You, you mentioned he's you know should only be getting better. If Turner can give you something, you're happy. Warren, you know, bubble Warren. Let's hope we see that continue. But he was effective last season during the regular season as like a big defender who's really kind of bought in. Um, on that end of the court, like a big dude who can like match up with other wings and on offense, just get you 20 points. Like I think that up and down the roster, there's not really a gap in this team. Their floor, I think is really high and their ceiling goes as Oladipo goes. But if he, you know, if he's 80% of, of his all NBA second team self from two years ago, I think this team could easily push into that um, upper crust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I really like this one. Um, this is actually like one of one of my favorite numbers, uh, and I am so so happy that they missed out on Gordon Hayward because I would not like this team as much if it was Gordon Hayward in place of Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Take the ball in Oladipo and Brogdon's hands. Don't like. Don't <laughs> give it to. Don't you don't need to give it to even Sabonis as well. I'd much rather have a post up with Sabonis than Gordon Hayward trying to create off the dribble. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I think, you know, maybe it's because we just want, well, I just want to like load up on the box and say, you should have kept Brogdon, but I, re- I really <laughs> rate Brogdon. I mean, the first half of last season, Brogdon was, you know, 23 and 7 the first half of last season. I think he ended up probably finishing at about 19 and 7, but showed that he could take on a much bigger offensive load and still be reasonably efficient when, when called upon. Uh, they're all tough 
good defenders up and down the roster. Like even the dudes who don't profile as good defenders like McConnell and McDermott, who are an athletic disadvantage against just about everyone, like really, you know, buy in. Like they're not bad, they're not bad defensive players. Um yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, the the elephant in the room is is the the old Nate for Nate swap out. No one really knows what Nate Bjorkgren is like as a coach, what his system is like. So if he comes in and completely revamps it from a slightly archaic way that Nate McMillan was running this offense, it could be heaps better or heaps worse. But this was still a good team missing its best player last season. So I think that that alone is like is reason for optimism. When you mentioned that um, Jim Boylan was the 52nd best coach behind a bunch of assistants, I think you could probably add all of Nick Nurse's assistants to that list. Yeah, so, 100%. He's not the worst coach. Let's let's hope anyway. Who do you think is the worst coach? Like this year, who, who's... Um, so it's not Jim Boylan. Uh, I reckon Tom Thibodeau is a shout. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, that's pretty grim. <laughs> Lloyd Pierce uh, has pretty much he's got a prove it year, and let's say Lloyd Pierce gets fired after five games, then who I don't really know if anyone's going to be like, oh my god, he's he's available like um Kenny Atkinson, where it's like, oh, better get Kenny Atkinson. I don't know if anyone's snapping up Lloyd Pierce. Um. <sighs> James Borrego has been bad, but every it seems like every single media member swears up and down. Uh, and I think I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing Brian Winghorse here. JB is a hell of a coach. Uh, um, yeah, so he he's probably a, he's probably a shout. Um, I think uh, is um, Ryan Saunders. Uh, can we can we throw Ryan Saunders in the bottom five from Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, we could. I, I'm just I, I still need I still need to see that um, someone like Timothy Lawawu Cabrero or Spencer Dinwiddie are good as coaches, but we're gonna have to give them a way to prove it. That's such a shit <laughs> joke. Stop fucking making it. Man. Um, all right, well, let's no, move no, on. That was, that was funny. That was funny. Thanks, man. Let's move on to the Miami Heat, which their number is set at 44.5 or per, per 82 games, that would be 50.5. They added Precious Achieva with the 20th pick, Avery Bradley and Maurice Harkless, and they lost Jay Crowder, James Jones, and Derek Jones, who we talked a lot about heading into this offseason, and he got the catch. You talked a lot about heading into this offseason. <laughs> Did you know, um, this is coming out of a training camp, that Derek Jones is going to start at the power forward spot for the Portland Trailblazers. You seem to be more excited about that than I do. I think uh, I mean, fucking amazing. Him and Rocco, the 15th best player in everyone's mind, according to <laughs> Lucas Petridis. That's awesome. Look at the length you've got at the, the three and the four. There's two at, like shooting, scoring guards. And then, fuck, you and I could stand there at center because we've just got arms galore at the front there. That is so, that is so rude to Nurk. Like, it doesn't get his due as one of the best defensive big men in the game. No, no, he doesn't. Wake me, wake me no. up when Derek Jones Jr. hits 34% from three. Okay. You know? Well, you're not going to be sleeping for long. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sleeping for so long. I literally won't even need to set an alarm. I'm just going to indefinite snooze. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm, I'm going to hit the over on this team. Um, but I was, this is the Miami heat. I was, 
cautious about hitting the over because I think 50 wins in a normal season for this team that, like, let's be honest, they're just waiting for Giannis to become a free agent and then they can try and sign him. And they kept the, they kept the powder dry and they have enough space. They did extend Bam Adebayo, but by moving on from Kelly Yolenik or, or someone like that, one of those mid-tier contracts, they, they'll be able to sign Giannis, right? Um, I, 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 I was really, really wanted to go under just because, like, yes, you got Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. Yes, Jay Crowder was really good in the bubble and part of the reason why they went to the finals. But they've just got such a good young team, young culture. You know, you can the two white dudes are going to get better. Jimmy Butler is going to be Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. They're going to bring in some fat dude who's never played before, and then all of a sudden he's just going to be in the gym every day because Pat Riley is like the Akatsuki Naruto. He just shows the ring, and all of a sudden they're like, yes, I have to lift weights. Dante, you're not going to get that one, but I hope that someone else listening does. Um, and I just I just really like this team. You talk about competency, which is something we're talking about, something that's going to be needed a lot in this type of season, um, just purely unprecedented season. It's going to be needed. Um <laughs> And uh, I like this team going over. What are you going to pick? I'm going over based purely off the fact that in a full uh, regular season last season, they were on pace for literally this exact number of wins. They were on pace for like 49 and a half. So with, you know, like uh, I just, you know, if, if the team that rocks up on opening night is even – 80% of the team that made it to the NBA finals, Sean, the NBA finals, <laughs> then this, uh, then this team will win 50 games. Definitely. Yeah. 50, I mean, 50 is not a, you know, you know, a remarkable bar to clear in a, so I should say 44.5. Tell the Kings that, man. <laughs> um, but you know, this 50 could be like the fourth or fifth seed this season, super easily. So to say that they're going to go over here with two, two top 20 level talents like admittedly Jimmy Butler's what like the 13th and Bam's probably like the 18th best player so they're not like elite elite but like young players getting better Eric Spolstra Jimmy Butler Bam yep I'll rack them up for 44.5 I'll hit the over I um I also think that Jimmy Butler gets a dirty little half chub in his pants every single time he hears people say that Miami didn't deserve to make the finals. A dirty the, little half chub. That on this this podcast should come with a fucking vulgar language warning because of well, that. Well, I actually when I upload the podcast, I have the option to click explicit and um I, I usually do and I know there's been square words, but Dante, I'll make sure to chuck it on this time just for you. Um yeah, it's he, he. You know, we, we said it during the finals. He he has an underdog fetish, and he's going to be looking at everyone saying, "Well, the Lakers, you know, they haven't played in two months. Like, you know, they're going to be resting their players." And no one's even mentioning that <laughs> the Lakers actually their last game was also the Miami Heat's last game. Um, Bam's got the injury. Goran Dragic had the injury. Uh, I don't think. I, I'm assuming that those injuries aren't lingering especially since they actually played in the finals um, with those injuries. So, uh, yeah, hit the under. I didn't even talk about Eric Spolstra. That's, yeah, that's another one. Of those hit the things. under? You mean hit, hit the, the over. over? Hit the over, hit the over. I didn't yeah. even mention Eric Spolstra. I forgot to, forgot to write him down. I think that's pretty easy. Um, should we move on to the next team, which are the Milwaukee Bucks? The 2020-2021 regular season champion Milwaukee Bucks. 
Well, you actually get to hang a banner um, if you if you win the regular. Oh no, you don't! Shit, what am I talking about? Oh. So the Milwaukee Bucks, their number is set at fifty flat or fifty-seven if you're using the eighty-two game conversion. They added Drew Holiday, Bogdan, sorry, Bryn Forbes, oh, no. Bobby oh, Portis, no. DJ Augustine, and they lost Ersan Ilyasova. At the end of the day, Ersan Ilyasova lost seven million dollars because of the the Bogdanovich fuck-up. Um, Wesley Matthews, Marvin Williams to retirement, George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. This projection would put them five wins better than Brooklyn, a team who you and I just gushed over for probably five minutes too long. Um, but I think he put it really well when he said that they are the winners of the 2020-21 regular season, uh, just as they were last year in the regular season. They, the year before. And the year before, they do that thing where... Giannis doesn't play, Chris Middleton doesn't play, and they're playing the Hawks. This actually happened last year. Those two guys weren't playing, and they were playing the Hawks one night, and then they just beat them by 20 points in the third quarter. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, how do you do that? Like, this this is crazy. And then we all start to say, like, well, there's no way they can lose, and then they lose in the second round. Um, yeah, I, I'm hitting the over. What are you doing? I'm, I'm smashing the over. This exact same team effectively just added Drew Holiday to the team that won, was on pace for for most of last season, at least before the restart. So before the suspension for like 68 games. So, you know, you trade out Hill and Bledsoe, you bring in Holiday, you shuffle around role players. Like, you know, I'm I'm shedding no tears that Wesley Matthews shooting 37% from the field has fled West. Uh, the Bucks are the undisputed champions of the regular season. Giannis won fucking MVP playing 29 minutes a game last season. <laughs> Which There's was popularized no reason... by Steph Curry. Let's not, let's not get caught yeah. up in that bit. I don't know that Steph Curry went that extreme, though. Like, I think Giannis was the first to win. Well, wouldn't wouldn't that... it be nice to be seven foot and could dunk? Mm, can we save the That's Warriors? That's a James Harden quote. Can we save... The Warriors' um, apologies for the end of the Western Conference edition of this podcast, please. Oh, shit, just, yeah, no, just no worries. Uh, I'm, I'm smashing the over. This team's going to win the equivalent of 60 games because that's what they've done each of the last two seasons and their team has only gotten better in terms of just like pound for pound, like adding talent. Like S only is over, lost $7 million because of the Bogdanovich <laughs> fuck-up. And... Incidentally, that's $1 million for every three that he uh, would hit this season. So uh, I'm not upset about any of the dues that they lost when they bring in holiday. That being said, this uh, at the end of the regular season, I will not gush over how this team is going <laughs> to waltz to a championship because that part of the equation remains untested and unproven. So... Uh, I'll give the Bucks their due for going back-to-back 60 wins, 60 win seasons, over. I'm hitting the over as well, and I'm going to hit the over assuming that Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine aren't going to be good at basketball next season. DJ Augustine because of age, Bobby Portis because of basketball talent. Um, and I think that <laughs> losing George Hill is actually a really big hit because all of a sudden you're looking on uh, DiVincenzo to be like the sort of backup point guard or backup guard, or yeah, DJ Augustine as well. But um yeah, Vincenzo is not bad. Like it kind of got bad. lost in the Bogdanovich trade. George was the best we three-point like, shooter last season, the whole league. Yeah, I know, but George Hill was taking two threes a game, so no, he wasn't. Do you yes, have that number was. in front of you? I'm going to pull it up right now. Let me just open up 
basketball reference. <laughs> George uh, Hill. I think I think it got took lost. Three in threes a game. Yeah. Okay. Three three the on three is the honorary two, you know? Sorry, man. Three is the new two. Um it got lost in the shuffle that Divincenzo is actually good. He is good. I don't know that I'm I don't know that I want Divincenzo playing full time backup point for me. Like I don't think he's that good. But Divincenzo is like not a not a bad player and he made massive improvements from year one to year two. So, you know, if you told me that he made another big jump again and Holiday can play a little bit of point, don't forget Drew Holiday made the all star game ten years ago as a point guard. Uh he wasn't always a big two. Um <laughs> I think this, yeah, I think this team will be, will be good in the regular season. All right. Well, speaking about and the rest that will be good in the regular season, let's go into the New York Knicks, um, who Yo! their number is set at twenty three and a half or twenty six and a half. They added Obi Toppin, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Austin Rivers, Amari Spellman, and Tom Thibodeau, and they lost Bobby Porter, Mo Harkless, Damian Dotson, Taj Gibson, who's unsigned at the moment, and Wayne Ellington. I am going to hit the under despite me going to pick Obi Toppin to win Rookie of the Year when we do our predictions. Yeah, fair enough. When, <laughs> when, I, said, when I said before that this is where it gets like spicy, this is where it ends. That little <laughs> run of spice uh, is, is not ended, but maybe on, on a hiatus. I'm, I'm going over. Don't ask me why. Because I don't really have a good reason. But they lost Bobby um, Portis. Why, why would you go? <laughs> Are you just trying I to equal over unders? I feel so victimized by this <laughs> being the butt of this ongoing Bobby Portis joke <laughs> that I might never offer an opinion on a player ever again just for, <laughs> fear of, for fear of having it held over my head for approximately 16 months after I say it. Go on, dude. Um, Tell me about how good Austin Rivers is going to be this season. <laughs> no, I think I think you know that like, Toppin's a popular pick for Rookie of the Year because he averaged like you know pr- apparently sixty four points in college last <laughs> season, and it <laughs> it seems to be saying that's no, translatable. Four years old, don't be dumb. Yeah, sorry, I got my got my sixty fours mixed up. Um, I'm a not a believer, but I'm an I'm a cautious optimist. I know, pretty classic. Uh, about um, what's the other guy's name? RJ Barrett. And <laughs> that tells you enough, Dante. <laughs> the other guy. Kevin um, No, I'm I'm staying away from that with a fifty foot pole, like a ten foot pole won't even <laughs> won't even cut it with, with an ox and DSJ. I think that there's enough young talent that maybe doesn't fit together great uh, that this team will be okay and there's enough kind of like okay older guys uh like Alec Burks is fine Austin Rivers is fine and I think there is especially with the young teams something to be said for the Tom Thibodeau bump um whether that's you know sustainable or not um he's had immense success in the first two years of each of his previous coaching stops um breaking the Timberwolves 50-year playoff drought and getting them to almost 50 wins a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler, Cat and Wiggins and then winning 60 games with Derrick Rose and like 55 the next season without Derrick Rose in Chicago. So I think that there is something to be said for this team will 
um, will will trend upwards. And who was their coach fucking last season? It was Mike Miller. Mike, who, Mike Miller. And good on him for getting a coaching job. Oh, no, it's not actually a <laughs> point guard. It's some random white dude. Um, yeah, some random like 60-year-old white dude. So... You know, like we'll pull the pull the Jim Boylan rule in here and say that if Tibbs is the twenty eighth best coach, maybe that maybe that counts. I don't know if you can tell, but I don't feel particularly strongly about this one. But <laughs> I'm just I'm going to say over. All right, um, Dante. I, as you know, last week I was on a walk and then I came across Watering Hole, and that was actually. The God, I was going to say the whole of Monty McNair, but it was uh, the fountain <laughs> of Monty McNair, and I I had a sip, Dante. I had a sip, and you saw that I I saw the visions of the Sacramento Kings plan, which is essentially it's like an ayahuasca trip. Yeah, this is so they essentially were like, okay. Did you have Did you have Vivek Renadive like as your shaman guiding you through the the visions that you were seeing after you had a, a sip? Yes. Yes, he was, uh, he was in a little tent, um, and then he also had like a one of those weird fucking signs that you bring to doofs with like some random soccer player's name. You mean a doof stick? Drugs. What? A doof stick? A doof stick. See, this is this is why you're the pinger boy, and you're the expert on these things. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was at a, I was at a music festival with Monty McNair and Vivek Ranadivi with a doof stick, and I looked to my right. And I saw Leon Rose and I'm like, this is weird. And he also was drinking from the fountain of McNair. And it turns out it wasn't the fountain of McNair. It was literally just what teams do when they've got their head screwed on right, which is, okay, the next draft is going to have a Zion level talent, a guy who hopefully can take you to the promised land. And he was like, well, let's not sign Derek Rose and, um, Joakim Noah and the, the equivalent to that this year. Let's be bad. Let's sign a bunch of fine young players on tradable yet not long contracts. We're not going to try and puff up all the media so that we're going to get Giannis and we're going to get KD and, and all that. Let's just draft the next Giannis and draft the next KD. So that's why I've hit the under because this is a stealth and sneaky tank. Yes, they're like, look, we've got Tibbs. We've signed every single player that ever even glanced at the University of Kentucky. But they're going to tank. They're going to get the good draft pick. And then the Leon Rose era, he's going to look like a savior. Like it, we've talked about it before. If you can come into New York and make that team good, then you are going to have so many adoring fans. Even if you're good for, for one year, you are going to look incredible. And all Leon Rose has to do is make this team lose, draft the next best player in the planet, and all of a sudden it's only upwards after there. Sure. <laughs> That's why I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right on that note let's move on to the Orlando Magic whose number is set at 32 flat or 36 when extrapolated they added Colin Anthony Dwayne Bacon and El Farouk Aminu and I've written him there because he was signed last season injured himself very early on um, but and he, oh, sorry, he missed the whole entire season so he's coming back as sort of an injury replacement for the notable loss which is John Isaac who left because of an injury um, and Dante, I've written here. I'm happy to move on if there's nothing you want to say about the Orlando Magic, but I'm going to hit the over because the whole reason the Orlando Magic are a boring team is because they keep getting the 15th pick. They keep doing this where they're fine. Nick Vujovic gets 20 and 10. They make the eighth seed and then everyone goes home, comes back the next year and do it again. I want to ask you, Dante, if Cole Anthony, you obviously go for the Tar Heels. Is Cole Anthony good enough to vault them into a, a you know the next best? Is he the next 
Donovan Mitchell to be like the the go to scorer on a playoff team? Uh, I would say no, but Dante, you can you can tell me if that's true or not. And this team's just going to win again. It's not going to be considerable. But are you going to pick uh, Markel Fultz as the most improved player? Oh, that's pretty spicy. It's mm. a spicy, you know, that bird eye chili from the supermarket take that is just spicy enough. Uh, I haven't honestly thought who I'm going to who I'm going to pick. To answer your Cole Anthony question, no, he's not the next Donovan Mitchell, but he is, I think, uh, as a rookie, good enough to run a decent second unit. Uh, I think that, you know, that Matt playing 24 minutes a game with the second unit and you will have a, a decent, at least on offense bench, because he is genuinely, he's genuinely a, a, gifted, a gifted talent and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he kind of becomes a better player than being picked 15th would suggest. But I'm going push on this team because you're looking at the nine seed. This is the nine seed. Someone has to get bumped out and Atlanta's going in and Brooklyn's going in and Orlando's Orlando's coming out. If, um, can I just say, can I just say if Orlando misses, if Orlando makes the playoffs instead of Trey Young and the Hawks, I will be very upset. I don't want to watch the, the the Orlando Magic win game one of the one versus eight seed and then lose the next four and Nick Vujovic puts up like the 16 and eight for all five games. I would much rather see Trey Young try and just go nuclear. Yeah, I, I agree. This isn't a very fun team, especially with their most fun player from last season, John Isaac, missing the whole bloody season through injury. Pull one out for John Isaac, defensive player of the year candidate. And then what did he do? He did... He did ACL, ACL, and then Patella or something like in the space I like, of. I feel like we can make a name, a nickname out of him standing during the anthem. Like, should we call him like the stander or or the security guard or something? Like, let's you, workshop it. Let's workshop let's, it. Let's workshop it. Basketball basketball reference has him listed as uh, Judder or the Minister of Defense, which is yeah. That's, I don't know where they're getting these names from, but we'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. Any any listeners that have a John Isaac nickname idea that's better stuff that's better than the minister for defense drop us a line in the comment section please (laughs) (laughs) all right um I yeah I do kind of have nothing else to say about this team beautiful the Philadelphia 76ers their number is set at 44 and a half or 50 and a half they added Doc Rivers Doc Rivers, son-in-law, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tyrese Maxey, Dwight Howard, and Ryan Brockoff. Shout out to Ryan Brockoff for being Australian. They lost, uh, you could say lost, or they moved on from Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Alec Burks, and Glenn Robertson III. Um, And we said in our free agency episode, well, I said anyway, that I was really, really excited in this team. And I love the theory of what, uh, what's his name? Um, Daryl Morey is doing where he's got his two superstars. You obviously know that he likes superstar players and then fills out the, fills out the roles around them. I'm hitting the over because I just love the theory of three or two, four good guards in their rotation. You've got Tobias Harris and literally just the two best players. And you can just play all around that and just have these guys running around a Joel Embiid post up or pick and roll with Ben Simmons. A couple more points. Joel Embiid has to learn how to pass out of a double team eventually. Um, and then also that... What was my next point? Dante, you, you talk. I've forgotten what my next point was. <laughs> well, whilst you, whilst you try and remember, I'm going to 
say that I have not learned my lesson about preseason backing the 76ers because I, like you, I'm going in all caps over on this team because I just love it. I just love it with a capital L uh, <laughs> because the one, the one thing that we've never seen this team with, and by this team I mean Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, is dudes who can actually shoot it and now there's heaps of them. Mm. Now mm. there's heaps of dudes who can shoot and you might actually get to see a spaced out um, offense where if a double team comes and Joel Embiid can learn how to pass out of it, he might be passing to Seth Curry, the active career leader in three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Doc Rivers might actually make Ben Simmons run a pick and roll with his elite pick and roll partner when the floor <laughs> is spaced where if someone goes underneath the screen because Ben Simmons can't shoot, that's cool because well, let's just fling it over to Seth Curry or Danny Green in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danny Green is like the ultimate litmus test for how you feel about a team because when he was traded to the Thunder along with the 28th pick, from the Lakers for Dennis Schroeder, I was like, yeah, Danny Green's washed. Get him out of there. But now that he's on the 76ers, I'm like, Danny Green is a good 3 and D wing. So I'm, I'm super optimistic about the, the way that this team's been reconstructed. I'm also super optimistic that having Daryl Morey at the controls means that if something's not working or it's clear that they could add something else during the season, mm-hmm. that they'll be able to get that and that this might not be the roster that's set. Uh, but they pretty much jettisoned all of the stuff that wasn't working from the last two seasons, mm. including, you know, like their big money contracts, but including a dude like, um, like Zaire Smith who couldn't get on the court, like free up a roster spot, take a fly on Terrence Ferguson, see if he can learn how to play basketball in the span of the three week training camp. Uh, they've still got two players who are definitively top 15 players and they might even be a top 10 player. So mm. I'm, I reckon that this this team could easily be the two seed. You have spurned my memory about what I, what my other point was, and that's let's say they have a a one percent chance that they trade for James Harden, whether that be uh, a Ben Simmons for James Harden trade straight up or, or whatever the combination be. They are definitely going to win more than fifty games if you add James Harden into this deal. So into this team, um, so that that is just another reason to bang the over. You and I have both written in our sheet in full capitals. Um, Dante, should we move on? And we have, what, 12 minutes to knock off the last two teams. That is a luxurious six minutes for the Washington Wizards uh, <laughs> coming up right after the Toronto Raptors. Maybe we, maybe we go, maybe we go like a seven, maybe we go like a seven, five split, you know, like seven minutes on the Raptors. You don't want to talk about Anthony Jill, the best shooter in Europe? Oh, no, no. I literally got his basketball reference page. <laughs> open so i do want to talk about him but potentially there's more than i want to talk about russell westbrook again so awesome awesome all right so the toronto raptors uh their number is set at 41 and a half or 47 and a half in a traditional sense and i'm going to hit the under because i think they've just lost their two best big men men why did i say that weird <laughs> big men <laughs> They've lost the two big men, Serge Ibaka and Marcus Sol. And it's sort of it's flown under the radar here that Serge Ibaka had a career high in scoring last year and was a really big part of their offense. They added Aaron Baines, DeAndre Bembry, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and Alex Len. Rondé Hollis Jefferson is the sort of guy that you can imagine doing great things in Toronto. Was he did I stuff that up? Was he in Toronto last year as well? 
Or he was in Toronto last year. That was really weird. I, I He's got an interesting nickname as well. I'm going to pull up his basketball. Oh, well, uh, if it's interesting, you should remember it. Um, yeah, I'm hitting the under just because I don't think that Aaron Baines, who has struggled with health, yes, I think he's a very good backup center, but who has struggled his, with health in the past. His nickname is Chap. Yeah, cool. Chap. Um, uh, and there was a joke here. Uh, how about that? He hardly... Ah, oh, that's right. He Aaron Baines is cool, but he hardly makes up for two of the best role-playing centers in the league. And then I've written down here LARP, which means live-action role-playing center. You may now laugh, Dante, and then give me whether you're going under or over. Oh, I spent about four minutes in the run chair trying to figure this one out. I didn't laugh then, and I shall not laugh now. <laughs> but I'm going... I'm going over for two reasons. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going over because this team is not in a worse position than they were last season. When the, when like literally Sean, the over under for them last season in 82 game season was like 44. And we went, I think I went under and I'm like, Nick nurse is a top, let's be conservative and say five player in the league. Siakam, Lowry and Van Vliet is a pretty decent top three dudes. And this is me, you know, like stepping out of like the Skip Bayless, Stephen A mode of prognostication and putting on like a bit of my Zach Lowe cap and doing some in-depth schematic analysis. If there was one team slash coach who was going to be able to mitigate or scheme around the loss of two traditional big men in Gasol and Ibaka. It's Nick Nurse. You know, you mentioned Tristan Thompson in the Celtics saying that like, well, they, you know, they upgraded at center. Like how important is it to upgrade at center? Maybe not very important. Maybe, you know, maybe they go Alex smaller. They find... It's one thing to get Tristan Thompson and be like, Ugh, but it's no, no, to it'll, Alex it'll, it, no, but it, it'll, it won't be Alex Lane. It'll be Hollis Jefferson, you know, was drafted as a small forward in, in Brooklyn, but he's now full-time center. In and Toronto. Chris Boucher so, got re-signed. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not going to, you know, like pin my, my hopes on, on Boucher, but if you told me that, a combination of Len, Hollis, Jefferson, Boucher, and then Siakam at the five in small lineups helps to mitigate the loss of Gasol and Ibaka with Nurse being the coaster here. I absolutely believe it. I will put my faith in Nick Nurse until he proves he doesn't deserve it. And as of yet, he has not proved that. So well, I, say to, I say to you, <laughs> over. Let's bet a jackfruit burger on this one being an under slash. An I'll over. go you. I'll go you one better. I'll bet a fucking you, pulled pork burger. <laughs> I'll bet you a barbecue banana bonza burger from Rude Boy in Brunswick West that this team goes over. Done, bro. Absolutely done. Um, you're gonna scoot back off to to WA though when this when this bet is actually realised because yes you're gonna I'll, <laughs> I will be I'll be back eventually otherwise I'll, I'll, I'll send just, you the receipt bro I'll, I'll send yeah, you I'll transfer you, I'll transfer you fourteen dollars yeah Mickey all right well now that we finished that we have really hamstrung our time here for the Washington Wizards damn it 
who their number is set at 32 flat or 36 in the traditional sense. They added Russell Westbrook, Denny Avdia, Robin Lopez, Anthony Gill, Raul Neto, and they lost uh, John Wall and Shabazz Napier, who is currently unsigned, but maybe LeBron wants to play with him. Um, and we said on the pod, and I say we as in me, that Russell Westbrook raises their floor but lowers their ceiling. And when I said that, their their floor is more than 36 wins. Bradley Beal is one of the best scorers in the entire league. He's also one of the sickest cunts in the league. Uh, this is definitely getting an explicit next to it. If, if the dirty half job from Jimmy Butler didn't, I'm I'm definitely going to bang the over. Let me double check. Yeah, I'm I'm over this in capital letters. Because Russell Westbrook, yep, we don't love him, but he's still a good, capable point guard, and he's going to make you win more than 36 games. Bradley Beal, awesome. Robin Lopez, capable center, backing up two of their more fun centers in in Thomas Bryant and Moses Wagner. And Anthony Jewelman, they just got like the European uh, Duncan Robinson. Like, let's not go past that. And I like Raul Neto, despite him not proving it for two years. Well, I- I mean, when I first heard they signed Anthony Jill, I was a bit, I was a bit ambivalent because I was like, well, you know, the last time that I remember seeing this dude is him stepping into the Euro in Euroleague play for his team, BC Kimki, and taking on, you know, a bigger chunk of the offensive pie after his breakout performance in 2017, 2018. Fuck up, bro. And, and, the, the and stepping out. Sean. 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 <laughs> let me speak. And, you know, he kind of, he stepped out in the 2018, 19 season and he kind of underwhelmed. He's increased his, you know, share of the offensive pie. He's taking more shots. He's taking more threes than he ever has. But his three-point percentage created to 22%. And so, you know, I'm obviously watching this saying like, oh, Anthony, Anthony Jill, I don't know if he's going to cut it. And then I've checked back and what did he do, Sean? What did he do? He only simplified his offensive role, took less shots, but really kind of honed in on making himself effective and shot 44 bloody percent from three. So, you know, like sign me up for this guy. He's, he's, he's proven that he can take his lumps and experience a setback and then move forward and find success in, in a different role, maybe, but that just shows his versatility and his willingness to kind of do whatever is needed for the team. So for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going over. So there, there's going to be a point. So we've both gone over there. There's going to be a time in the NBA season when you and I, we're watching a game, we're messaging each other, and we're going to see an Anthony Gill, Mortis Wagner. Make up role. your mind. Is it Jill or Gill? Cause... I would say both. And then when we look back on it, it'll be like, oh, Sean got it right. Um, Did you know that when you working. Google Anthony Gill Jill, the first result uh, is a pathologist? And then the second and third results is Anthony Gill Architects. That's not good. Well, if you Google Sean Carroll, you get some fucking philosopher or physicist. That just shows that people are still sleeping on this dude's bounce back season for... What, Sean Carroll? <laughs> no, no. for no, Anthony Gill for uh, BC Kimki. Fucking kimchi and rice, huh? Um, but there's yeah. going to be a moment when Gill, Jill, 
and all three of them, Gil, Jill, and Wagner, run a pick and roll, and you and I are just going to be giggling, and it's going to be incredible. Um, Dante, we've both hit the over. I'm just going to run through every single team and recap who we... Uh, I just, before you move on... Damn it. <laughs> I pushed on the Orlando Magic at the exact same total, and I think I just want to qualify and say that this is going to be... In, they'll be close, but in some order, you're 9 and 10. I think I, you know, not to kind of get into it as it were, but that's the last I, thing we I want to do on a basketball podcast, don't they? Get into well, the basketball teams. Well, I don't want to ruin my Anthony Jill take, uh, you know, with talking about Russell Westbrook, but I actually think that this team's floor is lower than you do. So I could, uh, I definitely don't think this is a playoff team. And I think that, it's pr- yeah, it's probably the nine or ten seed. I'm going over, but th- this team is worse than the Hawks, who will be the eight seed. You may go and continue. Thank you. So with the Atlanta Hawks, you picked the over, I picked the under. Boston Celtics, we both picked the under. Brooklyn Nets, both over. Charlotte Hornets, under, under. Chicago Bulls, you pushed the number, I went over. Cleveland, you went under, I pushed. Detroit under over me and then yeah, over me. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, we both went over. Miami Heat, both went over. Bucks, both went over. New York Knicks, you went over. I went under. Orlando Magic, I don't have your answer here and I went over. But that, that, probably, that probably encapsulates the Orlando Magic. Philadelphia 76ers, we both put over in capital letters. Toronto Raptors, you went over in capital and I went under in lowercase. Wizards, and we're both over. I'm capital letters. You don't even believe yourself, which is sad, <laughs> but you've, you've picked the over. Uh, Dante, that is all from us. Uh, we need to both go off and live our Friday nights or Friday afternoon for you on the West Coast. Uh, do you want to send us off for episode 87 of the Deep 2 NBA podcast? Tune in for episode 88 of the Deep 2 NBA podcast, please. We're going to do the exact same thing, but with different teams from the Western Conference this time. And highlights will include what the hell is going on in Houston and 45 minutes combined of Suns and Warriors talk most likely. So please tune in and thank you for listening to the Deep 2 NBA podcast.